0: When your ideal customer's kids are begging every night to read your book, you've won. At Dinosaur House, we turn industry leaders into kids book authors. We don't do it because it's a super fun thing to do, although it is. We do it because it's highly strategic. Imagine if every night your customers are being asked by their kids to read a book that your company made. Talk about brand affinity you're helping your customers connect deeply with the most important thing in their lives, their kids, over something that they are passionate about that has to do with your industry. If you want to have a conversation with us about how your brand could become the author of a kid's book, just hit us up, dinosaurhouse.com. Hit the little button that says, schedule a story design call. And we'll have a jam session together on just what your company's kids book could and should be.
1: Hey, folks, this is Coop Blackson, nationally bestselling author and transformational teacher. I have written two bestselling books. You are the one, The Magic of Surrender. I'm also the CEO of the Blackson Group, and I help people transform um, and find their purpose. You're listening to The Purpose Driven Entrepreneur.
0: What's up, Purpose Driven Entrepreneurs? It's me, your host, Timmy Bauer, and my guest today, Coot Blackson. Coot, thank you so much for being a guest on my show.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Uh, I'm so excited to talk to you. Honestly, just looking at your stuff, your website, your book, everything, you uh, seem like a very exciting person uh, to pick the brain of, especially for me, because I'm at a stage in my entrepreneurial journey where I'm thinking about like you know d- different things that are associated with well, well. so this is kind of a, one of my first questions for you, which is just how much of your business is you sort of as a solo act speaker, traveling, etc. cetera. And then what are the other, like the first question I usually ask guests is how, basically how their business works. Like, what is it that you sell and to who? So if you want to give me a little origin story of of how you got into what you do, what exactly it is that you do and and how your business works.
1: Yeah, um, I started uh, many, many years ago uh, working one-on-one with people and uh, just out of the pure, sincere desire to help people transform uh, as a coach before coaching was even popular. And I just worked with one person, came up with my own way of working with people, called it uncoaching and um, unconditioning. And I worked with one person and worked with another person. And as my methodology evolved, People began coming from around the world and seeking me out. And my reputation as a radical transformational agent um, expanded and grew. And uh, I created a process that was one month in length, but it was a very, very specific um, intentional transformational process that people would come in for a month and they would radically, radically transform. And that's what really made me known. And then, uh, for the longest time I was working with people one-on-one I was working with 10, 12, 13, people what's the a time month.
0: frame? When was this? Mm,
1: 18 years ago.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah. And, 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 um,
1: people would radically transform in a month and that's what it became known for. And then it just evolved. Honestly, for me, everything has been organic. Um, really about, I've never done anything simply for money. And just for the sake of doing something, everything I do has to feel authentic and aligned and a natural evolution of my own soul. And so from there, things evolved. I began speaking, speaking in companies, uh, speaking in corporations, most of which were at the time my clients, because a lot of my clients one-on-one as my reputation grew, uh, I started working with a lot of salespeople, a lot of entrepreneurs, uh, a lot of very successful people, a lot of celebrities. And so and many of my clients would want to bring me into their companies and corporations to work with their teams, to create more synergy and teamwork and transformation and help their clients because they realize that, you know, at the end of the day, a business is run by human beings and human beings are conditioned. And people can have all the information and be brilliant and know what to do. But if they're not uh, coherent, aligned, happy inside as individuals, then that's going to affect their performance. And so a lot of my clients began bringing me into their companies to work with their teams one-on-one, to work with their teams in small groups, to work with their teams in large groups. And then I started speaking very much organically from there.
0: Mm. And
1: again, there was another organic evolution where I began doing these crazy journeys to India, um, where I created a a one-on-one coaching process uh, that really made me kind of known uh, called the Liberation Experience, where I would take one person, and these were specifically visionaries, leaders, people that had the ability to affect and change the world on a kind of global level. I would take them to India one-on-one. I would take away your passport, your money, your backpack, You'd have a backpack, a pair of clothes, no idea where you're going. You sign your will in case you weren't coming back. Wow. And uh write letters to everyone in your life in case you died. And I would take you on a twelve day transformational immersion one on one, turn you inside out journey to to India. And it was Freaking crazy! What and gave I you did, the
0: idea to do this India trip, and just the whole idea of like you've got to you know uh, write letters to your loved ones and all of that? Like what what gave yeah, you the idea to do uh, that? Uh,
1: you know, I had built a a, a pretty successful one on one coaching business, and and um, I was doing great, um, and and so I wanted to, I just wanted to create another I don't a, something I'd never seen. And something that was a whole nother level from what was out there. And I went to India for my own journey uh, 20 years ago. And I ended up on maybe 22 years ago. And I, I ended up on the back of a train in the poorest state in India uh, called Bihar, where your chances of probably getting kidnapped is about, at least at the time was about 50%. And the the average net worth of the average person is maybe like $15, $10. And and so I ended up on the back of the train in the poorest state in India, in the third class section of the train. And for the next six hours, my life transformed because as I was on the back of the train in a sardine can situation, I saw, I, I was so close to poverty in a way that, that really was visceral and it hit me. And I remember seeing a mother with five children and clearly she had nothing. And the child's head was hanging out of the train that was speeding at you know, hundred miles an hour. And I thought, if this kid fell out of the train, nobody would even know, nobody would even care. And I, I just, my, my, my heart broke to feel the suffering of humanity. And here we are, I mean, I'm not sure where you live, but I'm in LA. Downtown LA, New York, Florida. Miami, Florida, right? Here the we other are. California.
0: Right. The other here sunshine we, State. Here we
1: are. And 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 yet there's a whole other reality that people are living. And I thought, how the hell do we live in a world where we can send people to the moon and we can, you know, drive Ferraris and Lamborghinis and 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 have technology and iPhones and we can't freaking feed people. And so when I felt the raw suffering of my fellow human beings, my heart broke and my heart cracked open in a way that I had never experienced, you know, and I, and I just cried for like three hours, seeing, and this, the mother was just looking at me the whole time. And I thought, wow, I just felt people. And then I looked into her eyes and I, it was like, what was looking at me was looking at her. And I felt the innate oneness that was living and breathing us both. And my heart broke open because I just felt love, like, shit, we're different, we look different, different gender, different race, different religion, different this, but we're one, we're one humanity. And, And I just felt this sense of innate oneness, and I think real love is the recognition of the innate oneness of our beingness, you know, and I think many times we forget that we are essentially one, and so... I remember having this profound experience of of love and oneness and and I thought wow wouldn't it be amazing if like Obama was on this train or Oprah was on this train or Phil Knight was on this train or the Google guys were on this train or you know Donald Trump was on this people in in major positions were actually on this train having this experience of being cracked open and humble and that was a thought in my mind and then I think, forgot about that thought Went back to the US, had an amazing time in India, built my coaching business to to the point where people were seeking me out. And then it got to the point where I thought, hmm, I was meditating one day and I thought, what would be something radical? What would be a next level of my work? And that's when I got this in my meditation. I got this vision of like, create that vision, create that journey where you take global game-changing leaders, CEOs, entrepreneurs, people in leadership positions to India, turn them inside out. And really change their lives so that they come back to their worlds and they find a new purpose and they live their purpose through business, through entrepreneurship, and they use their platform to transform. And I thought, well, so I'm going to take away your passport, your money, you're going to have a backpack a pair of clothes, no idea where you're going, and you basically sign your life away. Let me do whatever you want for, for 12 days. And I thought, who the hell is going to? How do you even market such a thing? You know, who the hell is going to do this? this is this is insane? And then I sent an email. To my and I was told in my meditation that there are people that are destined to do this, and they will know when they hear about it. And so it wasn't a business decision. I'm going to be honest. And um, huh, I sent an email to some of my clients. Next thing you know, within 20 minutes, I got my first client said, "I'm ready. I'm ready to be interviewed." But yes, let's let's count me in. Next day, I got another email. Before you know it, I had three potential clients, and then it just it just evolved. And when I did the first journey it was life-changing. The second journey was life-changing. The third journey and each journey I did in about six years, I did 21 of these journeys. I did three a year and it was in seven years I did about three a year. And it was, I mean, it was shit you wouldn't even believe. I mean, it was amazing, life-changing, um, incredible. and, uh, and What have been had- some
0: of the standout results uh, of that? like that you can think wow. of like um different wow. kinds of I mean, changes that have happened or ah
1: uh, it's, it's 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 people have been resurrected emotionally from the dead you know basically you know i've had people that came into the journey mad at the world mad at themselves no relationship with his wife basically separated about to be divorced uh all his kids hated him hated himself Drunk, you know, alcoholic, you know, had everything on the planet, but miserable. Came on this journey, and in twelve days got his soul back. You know, in twelve days forgave himself to the point where he was able to go back and heal his relationship with his daughters and his wife and a new person. I mean, it was wow. it was life life changing. I mean, I could go on and on. Obviously, I'm condensing it, but 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 it's it's profound what, what occurred on these journeys. They were like multidimensional shamanic experiences, you know, that that were so hard to put words to. I actually wrote about it in my first book, You Are the One, and I hesitated to even write about it. But, but even the book, the publisher kind of convinced me to write about it, but even the book only captures about 10% of what the real journey is and the transformation is because it's deep. You know, it it turns people inside out. And, 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 you know, when I interview people, I would ask them, are you ready to die? I can't take you on this journey unless you answer this question. Are you ready to die? And they would giggle and laugh. And I would say, no, I'm serious. Are you ready to die? Yeah, die to who you've been, die to your identities, die to the old. But you might die on this journey because there are dangers. And the fact is, this is life. We might die. The fact is, I think many of us, we spend so much of our life avoiding death, so much of, of our life hiding from death, and in in, in a running away from death, and like, oh, we're gonna live forever, we're gonna be immortal. The, the, the bottom line is, Jesus died, Buddha died, Bruce Lee died, Muhammad Ali died, Bob Marley died, David Bowie died, Mandela died, Gandhi died. You and I, we're gonna freaking die. There is no way out of this human experience, we will die. And I think the more we can just make peace with death and accept it, not as a morbid thing, not as a limitation, but as a reality of this human existence, then I think it frees us up to stop being afraid of death. It frees us up to face life fully, to embrace life fully, to live life more fully, because none of us know, you know, when that moment's going to come. And so the first stage of that journey became, like, if you want to really be free in life, and I don't want to say fearless in life, but courageous in life. You have to be willing to uh, face your death and and feel your death, and not no longer be afraid of dying. Because if you're up, to, if you're gonna be up to some game changing things in life, you're gonna get killed. You're gonna be attacked. You're gonna be judged. You're gonna be you know misjudged. This is gonna happen. Anyone that did anything great. People tried to kill them, whether it was mentally, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, psychically. It happens. Look at Oprah, look at Obama, look at Gandhi, look at, you know, Trump, look at whether you like them or hate them, look at Elon Musk, look at Bill Gates. You mentioned
0: Jesus. I appreciate that. Jesus. As a Christian.
1: Yeah, look, I mean, look, imagine Jesus just trying to do something amazing for humanity. And they freaking tried to kill the guy. I mean, all he was trying to do was help people. That me takes a tremendous amount of courage and so for me the the india journey was about helping people the intention and my work to be honest all of my work whether it's my one-on-one whether it's my you know and we can go more but my journeys to bali to india uh my seminars large and small ultimately it's all about helping people become free true That's freedom and Oh, go ahead. That, you know, and and really getting people to question, what, what is freedom? Because the moment you take away someone's, you know, so I take away everything from people on these indie journeys, but the moment we take away someone's iPhone, the moment we take away someone's lipstick, the moment we take away someone's, you know, CEO title, someone's bank account, all of a sudden, uh, what happened to my freedom? And so for me, someone like a Mandela, that he was truly free. Even in prison, he didn't allow his physical situation to determine his beingness you know you mentioned you're christian look at jesus on the cross they're stabbing him on the cross and he he doesn't say screw you people he says father forgive them they know not what they do the ability to respond no matter what is going on and how to respond and choose that response to me this is freedom and so the journey and my work is really about helping people tap into a deeper freedom uh, so that they can live life and share their purpose with the world, and so that was the India journeys, and that 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 just evolved. I did these India journeys, then years later, a natural evolution. People started saying, "Hey, can you take me as a, on a group to India?" And then yeah. that didn't feel right. But long story short, I went to Bali. You know, in two thousand nine, ten. And similar thing happened to me in Bali, where I got the vision to create group processes to Bali. So instead of one-on-one, it was now one-on-twenty in Bali. And in the last 10 years, I did 20 of these events, to a year. And similar would take visionaries, leaders, game changers, but now in a group-type process to Bali, using Bali as the seminar room without walls to facilitate transformation, healing and freedom. To help people heal their patterns of conditioning, connect with their authentic selves, and catapult them forward into living the world, living in the world, and giving the gifts. And so, so that was another evolution of my work.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to me how death and rebirth are integral to the um, like phenomenon of transformation. You know, like everybody wants to, well, I don't know that everybody wants to experience transformation, but transformation is definitely one of those things that gets talked about, especially yeah. in entrepreneurial circles. But death, and like all over you talking about transformation was the idea of death and rebirth. And of course, as a Christian, I believe that transformation is a spiritual death yeah. and rebirth that's happening through Jesus. Um, how did you get into originally the idea like just the concept of transfer, like, obviously you've built essentially your life around transformation, uh-huh. but what, like, that doesn't just, I mean, I don't know. That doesn't just, uh-huh. somebody doesn't just go, decide as a kid, like what well, you weren't probably six years old going, when I grow up, I want to be a transformational leader. I don't know.
1: So, so, so as a kid, I, um, I was a very empathetic kid, you know, I was born in Ghana, West Africa, father's from Ghana, mother's Japanese, grew up in London. And I, I was an outsider, so so I didn't fit in a lot. And and I was very empathetic. And so I felt people's, in London, I felt, I just felt people's pain very deeply. And I didn't know, like, why am I feeling so sensitive to people? And I, and I wanted to alleviate people's suffering. I just didn't know what that would look like. And so my upbringing and how I maybe got into it was um, my first memories as a young boy was maybe six, seven, seeing a crippled woman crawling on the floor. She picks up the sand that this man walks on. I'm lost in the crowd. There's a huge crowd of thousands of people. She picks up the sand. She's crippled. She's not walking. She picks up the sand. She wipes it on her face and stands up. I'm watching this. The man has no idea. Week after week, I grew up seeing blind people, see and deaf people here. This man would look at a woman in a wheelchair, hadn't walked in 10 years, and he would say, stand up. Why are you, why are you in this wheelchair? You're not sick, stand up. But I haven't walked into... Stand up. Do you? Be, yeah, if you believe them, what? Stand up. And she would stand up. And so I grew up seeing uh, miracles, you could say, you know, week after week, the type of stuff you look on TV and go, is this real? I grew up yeah. seeing it with my own eyes as a kid. And wow. this man was my father. He built 300 churches in Ghana, West Africa, had hundreds of thousands of followers, probably in Africa at his height, a million followers. Had a huge church in London, about five thousand people uh, every Sunday, and so I grew up in. And my mother's Japanese; she's Buddhist, which was interesting. And so I grew up with a very eclectic, you know, background. And somehow they got along and they loved each other, you know. And and, um, and 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 so when I was age eight, I started speaking in my father's churches. Um, that's when my speaking career began. When I was fourteen. I was ordained as a minister and I was given the mandate to take over my father's spiritual organization. And, and, you know, but prior to that, I would sneak into my father's office. My father was a very spiritual man. Um, he went to India somehow in the sixties and I didn't know I had these spiritual experiences. And so I would sneak into my father's um, office into his bookshelf and he had a lot of spiritual books, people from the Western mystics to Wayne Dyer, Louise Hay, Tony Robbins, Deepak Chopra. And so I began as an eight, nine-year-old kid. Mm. I literally began to devour this information. I didn't really understand it all. Like my first book was about creative visualization. This is, you know, all the stuff The Secret talks about, but this was, you know, 20 some, 30 years ago as a kid. And and so that's what became began my obsession with like, trying to understand life. I got a scholarship to a very prestigious school in London where a lot of rich kids, presidents, sons, prime minister's kids went to. And yet, and my scholarship was free. And yet they all seemed to be miserable. You know, their families, people didn't seem happy. In my father's church, and he, in his church, I think it's fair to say there were a lot of folks that were not that educated, didn't have that much money, yet seemed to be full of joy and happiness. And and so as a kid, I would question like, wait a second, these folks have every reason to be happy. These folks have no reason to be, every reason to not be happy, but they're happy. And so that began a a questioning for me of, what is the purpose of life and why are we here? And is it just to like, wake up, make money, make babies, go on vacation, buy a house, a car, and then die? Like Surely there has to be more to this existence than just that. And so what is the purpose of life? So I became very obsessed with trying to understand and research. And so I would go to school, do my homework, finish my homework at six o'clock from six to 11. I would research and read and, 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 and just, just try to find answers for myself, you know, and that's what began my, my quest in personal growth and spirituality and personal development. And, and so that's, that's how it began.
0: Amazing. Um, we've talked about death and like the purpose of life so much, uh, just all throughout this conversation. But one question that I ask everybody on this podcast is when you think about the big question, like, what am I really living my life for? Or what do I want to be remembered for when I die? What jumps out to you as most important? Um,
1: I have kind of two answers, two levels of the answer, to be honest, what do I, what do I want to be remembered for? really, I don't care, you know, at the deepest level, I don't care, you know, I really don't care, like, I personally, like, I don't care, because I think what really wants to be remembered, and what really wants to, to, to have that, that is the ego, and I don't really believe that I'm the ego, and I don't really take myself that seriously, I don't take myself that seriously to the point where, like, I care about myself that much you know and but if i do want to be remembered for something i think it's just simply that i that i love deeply you know i love deeply that i was kind and and to be able to plant seeds of kindness and joy in people's lives i think that's that for me is important it's become you know uh now, don't get me wrong, it doesn't mean I'm, I don't have a motivation to, to fulfill a calling that I feel to inspire people. But at this stage, I don't really care in a certain sense. I just care to live my life in a way that is in alignment with my soul, is in alignment with the divine, is is is, and fulfill whatever I'm here to fulfill. And for me, the deeper I go into my own evolution, my own spiritual connection, um, it's like the deeper I go, the more I surrender, the more I surrender, the, the less choice I feel I have, the freer I feel. And so I'm at a stage in my evolution, my work where, you know, I. I, I, I'll I say it this way. I just want to do God's work. I want to do the work. I want to do, I want to be used the highest level possible. I want to be used by God, by life, by the universe, whatever people believe, you know. Uh, I want to be used at the highest level possible to fulfill what I'm here to fulfill. And that's what I care about more than anything and i have a sense of what some of that is but um i'm open to the highest good to be honest do you think
0: that that so uh, it's interesting because the majority of people that I ask that question to, they give some version of what they consider to be the legacy that they're trying to leave on this earth, the thing that they're trying to do, the thing that they feel called to do. And every once in a while, I'll, I'll hear an answer like yours, that's like, you know, at the end of the day, that's the ego that wants to be remembered the and ego, statues man. built. Sure. um Do you think that that is a stage of development or evolution that everyone should get to? Um, and if so, what is the role of this desire that human beings have of like, well, I want to be remembered for doing this thing or I want, you know, I, I, I claim this as my life's purpose. Because I, when I track <sighs> entrepreneurs, they they most of them are fueled in some way, at least in the early parts of their career, by this sense of like big, powerful why that they are going after and going all in on
1: yeah, but I think there's a there's, there's also a difference. you know, for me, many times the, the the old paradigm in way of living is 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 kind of an ego-based model of living life. Like what do I want and what's my why and what's my goal and what's my intention? And it's all about my 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 intention. but we don't ask the question, well, who am I? Who am I just this body? Am I just this ego? Am I just this personality? Am I just this conditioning? And so, yes, you can create a life that is driven by you and your personality and your goal and your desire. And it can be good. I'm not saying it can't be be lovely. But what I have found through my evolution, through working with people, through just living life a bit, is it, it's limiting. It's limiting because the ego, the I, the sense of I that we have been conditioned to believe that we are, this limited physical one-dimensional structure, is not able to see the infinite possibilities that are seeking to happen. is not able to necessarily see God's plan. It's not necessarily able to see the highest intention of one's soul. We can't see the total picture. We just... Want what we want, and many times our goals, our dreams, our intentions, our desires for what we want are sometimes projections of unmet needs from childhood. We were bullied. We weren't enough. Dad wasn't around. So if I can just like, you know, get this thing and make a gazillion this and save a bazillion that and have my name on a thing, then I'm going to finally be enough. I'm not saying it's not good, but many times it can be limiting because from the ego's perspective, we're not able to see the whole picture. So for me, there's a shift. That evolutionary shift, I think, happened. The evolutionary shift happens when we start asking ourselves the question, not just, well, what do I want? What do I want? But when we start asking the question, what is it that life is seeking to express through me? What is it that my soul is seeking to express? What is it that God is seeking to manifest through me? And I think the next level of life in evolution happens when we start asking that different question, what is it that the universe, what is it that the divine, what is it that God is seeking to express through me and use use me for? Because then when we can start to be still, attuned, listen, become obedient to, to that higher directive, then we bring ourselves into deeper alignment and then we, we become you. I think any great person, truly great person, Gandhi, Mother Teresa, at some point, they, have, they, they surrendered themselves to something bigger than themselves. They surrendered yes. themselves to, to God. They surrendered themselves to, to, to that bigger purpose. And that purpose wasn't necessarily driven by a personal egoic desire to be remembered they surrendered themselves. In that surrender, they transcended their human limitations. They tapped into another dimension of true potential in life. God was able to use them. It was no longer about, I want to be remembered. It was no longer about I. It was more about, how can I be of greater service to humanity? It was more about universe. God, use me. Use me as you see fit. And I think that is when the magic happens. You know, that's when the miracles happen. And I think it is an evolutionary stage, for sure. I think there are natural stages of evolution to get to that point. But when you look at a Mandela, when you look at a Gandhi, when you look at a a Mother Teresa, a Martin Luther King, I think that's why they were great. They were great not because of them. They were great because they realized it wasn't them they realized it was God, the universe, whatever people believe, not to make this a religious conversation, but but they realized that that, that their life was given over to something bigger than them. And that's what was doing the work. And that's yeah. when I think grace flows. That's when true power flows. That's when miracles happen. That's when we're used, you know? And I think that's a natural state. There is a process, I think, of maturation and evolution that happens, and that still might look like you wake up incredibly motivated you know it, it doesn't mean you just sit there and do nothing it might look like wow what so 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 you 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 kind of catch that deeper vision for what's seeking to happen and then you can align your ego, your personality, your marketing, your strategic plan, your business plan, your money, your Facebook ads you can align all of that with the most authentic expression, the most authentic calling. But 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 you are working in service to not yourself, but you're working in service to a higher mission. And so the drive and where you're coming from is what's different. Your why is different. It's less about, I want to be remembered for myself. And, and so it, it's less about an egocentric focus. And that, I think that's the shift.
0: I love it. I love it. I have two for fun questions before we sure. go, because this oh. has been an awesome conversation. So my first one is I'm a kid's book author, and cool. I believe that that the purpose that I'm expressing, at least right now on this earth, is I want to influence positively the way that kids think, to that's, think about things that matter. so important. For fun, what's a topic or idea that you would make a kid's book about if you could?
1: Topic or an idea that I would make a kid's book about.
0: Yeah. If you could uh, influence the way that kids think today. I, I,
1: I would make a kid's book about how we are all one and beyond, you know, race, color, culture, creed, religion, you know, so much divisiveness and separation that we're all one. We're all being lived and breathed by the same breath, by the same spirit, by the same consciousness. And, you know, we're one, we're one humanity, you know, and to try to, it, it, what's the word, expose, expand that idea to, to, to so that we can um, promote love.
0: Why that? Why do, what do you think the impact of a book like that being widely read by kids would be?
1: Look, I think so much of war becomes because we think we're separate. I think I'm separate from you. She thinks she's separate from her. Black, white, Ukrainian, Russian, good, bad, separation. Yeah. When the truth is, we're not separate, we're one. And, yep. and, and so I think love is the recognition of our inherent oneness. And in that, if I realize who I am truly on a spiritual level, then I realize who you are truly on a spiritual level beyond this physical body. And it might seem like we're different, but this is just a costume that we're wearing in this, you know, three-dimensional human experience. And if I know who I am, then I know who you are. Then then in that recognition, there is, there is connection. There is, there is love. And and I think the more we know that, the less fear there is, the more love will only expand. The, the less I can harm, like if I know that we're one at that deeper level, it's harder for me to harm you, you yeah. know, to, to yeah. fight you, to kill you, to, to, to disrespect
0: you. You know what I'm saying? I love that. I love that thing you said of we're all breathed from the same breath. I think that's so good. Yeah, well, what color is your breath?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, my breath is different color than your breath is different color than, you know, uh, a Brazilian's breath, a Japanese person. What color is breath? It's, it's yeah. just one. Right?
0: Yeah, that's good. Ooh, that would be a good book. Um, <laughs> what? Uh, my last for fun question for you is, what is something that you currently suck at that a year from now you want to be great at? Could be anything. Suck at, I don't know. Big or small? Uh, I,
1: I I mean, if I'm going to be honest about something, because probably things I suck at, I don't know if I'm that serious about being good at, right? So like, I yeah. probably don't really care. Um, A year from now, but my mother's Japanese, I speak Japanese, Uh, but a year from now, my intention is to, uh, I could live in Japan, probably, you know, right now, if I was in Japan for about a month, my Japanese would be perfect. Yeah. But I think a year from now, my intention is to, I don't suck at it, but my intention is to <laughs> to 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 get to that next level of profici- proficiency in my Japanese again.
0: Awesome. I know what to follow up with you about. Um, This has been a really fun conversation, Coot. Uh, Where would you like to send listeners to check you out some more?
1: So first, the Magic of Surrender book, check it out on Amazon. I think it's a a simple roadmap to help you live surrender in every area of your life. For those that want to know more about my work, CootBlackson.com, the website, my main website, find out a bunch of info there. For people that might feel inspired to go to that next level of their life and maybe you feel a calling and you you feel ready to to share your gifts with the world um twice a year i do an event in bali this is my last year doing this event in bali 2023 uh the event is july 28th to august the 8th boundless bliss bali so that's www boundless
0: awesome and i'll put links to all of that in the uh show notes of this episode cute thank you so much for being a guest on my show this was an awesome conversation i really appreciate your time appreciate you